you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast. Knows you can beat Brady with pressure up the middle. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. And you can beat him next week, in fact. Presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. (laughs) Wow. 256 games in the can. First uh, year, or first Sunday night, rather, all year, that we're waited till the final Sunday night game of the season to talk podcast. And what a game to wait for. Absolutely. The Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers, it went down to the last play. Uh, well, the wow. second to last play <laughs> and an accompanying video review after a play that should have been reviewed but wasn't reviewed. We're going to get to all that. But let's start right here. The playoffs are set. Here they are. Wild card weekend. The number five seeded Buffalo Bills. Head to Houston to face the Texans. That's a 435 start on ESPN slash ABC. Eastern time, of course. Also, the late game, the number six Tennessee Titans at the number three New England Patriots. The Patriots playing on wildcard weekend for the first time in 10 years. That's an 8.15 p.m. Eastern primetime game on CBS. You know what that means, Greg? What? Tony Romo and Jim Nance <laughs> with the call. It means a lot of things, but... And then on Sunday, so all AFC on Saturday, NFC on Sunday, the number six Minnesota Vikings at the number three New Orleans Saints. That's the 105 Eastern Fox game with... Charles Davis? Joe Troy Buck Aikman, and baby. Troy Aikman. Greg, what's going on? And the late game, the number five Seattle Seahawks at the like number barely four. barely attention. Philadelphia Eagles, that's a 4.40 p.m. Eastern kickoff on NBC, Al, Chris, and Michelle. Yes, playoff football is ready after week 17, and uh, and I couldn't be more excited. How about you guys? Oh, yeah. West of us, which you guys know is the annual since 2011 day of the Bengals losing on the first weekend of the playoffs. The, the Festival te- of Slights. 
Yep. Texans have officially overtaken them. This is six times in nine years the Texans wow. have played in that sat- early Saturday time slot. All four times Bill O'Brien's made the playoffs, they've stuck them in Tex- Texavis? Texas. It's the Festival of Slights. You <laughs> stick them that early Saturday game, it's not a showing of respect. Not at all. And, but one of those teams is going to come out of that game with a, a chance to win the Super Bowl. They'll be in the Elite Eight, as it were. We were wondering because it's the pretty rare occurrence of two AFC games on Saturday and two NFC on Sunday. I, I couldn't remember that it had ever happened, but apparently it happened in 2015. So, I mean, everything it's is fine. just a, a mental haze at this point. It's fine. So, we're going to go through all the games, and like Greg said, we're changing it up a little bit. Uh, we always customarily um, handle the Sunday night football game last, because, but because the stakes were both so high and also what it meant for the rest of the NFC and the seedings and all of that, uh, we will start with Sunday Night Football, a huge game at the clink. Fourth down, here's your game. Here's Russell Wilson back. Wilson throws, caught. Hollister's hit on the goal line and dropped by Dre Greenlaw. He is short. 49ers come away with the ball. The 49ers have stopped Hollister on the goal line. The 49ers are going to win the game. And they are the number one seed in the NFC. And that feels great, baby. What a football game that was. (laughs) A great call. Great call by Greg Papa and Tim Ryan of KNBR. Yes, the road to Super Bowl 54 in the NFC. It's going to go through San Francisco. It's been a while. In fact, it's been 22 years since you could say that. Mm. Uh, The 49ers get the stop at the goal line. Jacob Hollister catches a pass from Russell Wilson, but gets stood up by rookie linebacker Dre Greenlaw. Uh, The fourth and goal play ends the game after uh, a review to make sure he just missed crossing the goal line. It was the right call on the field, and they confirmed it. Uh, final score after a QB sneak to end it. Uh, the Niners win 26-21 to uh, over the Seahawks. And as we said, uh, that's the number one seed goes to the Niners. The Seahawks have to drop all the way down to five and play next week. And Greg, uh, you know, it worked out because the Niners, it did seem for most of this game, were the better team. Uh, however... Uh, the Seahawks had it right in front of them, including Marshawn Lynch running onto the field at the Ooh, goal line uh, before uh, Al Michaels called it uh, one of the worst penalties of the season, a delay of game that pushed him back ahead of that um, incompletion to end the game. There were There's so much to get to, and the 49ers deserve the number one seed. But to me, the fact that the NFL did not look at the potential pass interference. Got to look at it. On third and goal from the five-yard line with 15 seconds left to Jacob Hollister was a total failure of the league and the system of replay that the league put in place for exactly this moment. I haven't criticized the replay process throughout the year because it just doesn't seem as important to me compared to what happens on the field. But when you look at what happened in this game, this was the reason they put that rule in place. This play, like this exact moment was the reason they put the, this rule in place. And when you looked at the replay, it seemed clear and obvious to me that he ho- held Hollister's arm back. But even if you weren't going to overturn it, the fact that they didn't look at it Got to look at it. Totally inexcusable. What did we just spend our whole off season and season <laughs> so, for? That was it. 
<laughs> so that opens up Pandora's box. If you look at the replay, what standard do you use? The one from week three, the one from week 13, or a new one that you're making up as you enter the playoff? And, and 49ers fans, all of you in my mentions who are saying, well, what about the delay of game? It looked like, oh, uh, you know, when the Seahawks scored, or what about the Ben Garland? Like, shut up. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a failure of the system. I, I was hoping the 49ers were going to win this game because I thought their season was better, that they deserved it, that they're a more fun team. But but that's not the point. Like, I'm more concerned about the process and the fact that the process completely failed in the biggest what, spot. Was what possible explanation can they offer? Because I have one. All right. Mike Sando of The Athletic actually has one. The NFL resting Al Riveron for, uh, ahead of the playoffs. Maybe it was one of those situations. <laughs> what? That is not <laughs> working I thought you me. had the real answer. No, that's I'm not working excited. for me. There's no answer. Go ahead, Mark. No, I, 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 t- it's just a problem to Greg's point that for all the drama and rather amazing play that happened for both sides, that that's the talking point. It's a totally inexcusable flub by the league. And it seems like this is every... Well, I mean, who's not going to be discussing that? Just, I don't know. There's a lot else to talk about. And, you know, I don't know if we need to hammer that that forever. It seemed pretty clear. The Seahawks, as Al Michael said, botching that situation with... The delay of game and using a timeout is a pretty big story. Marshawn Lynch running onto the field, and who knows? They end up getting the delay of game. Maybe it has something to do with Marshawn Lynch coming on the field late. We don't know. We'll get probably answers um, at some point. Why was he in like a glowing green hat the entire time? I don't don't know, but the moment was so beautiful. Of course, the most infamous moment in Seahawks franchise history is the decision not to give it to Beast Mode. He comes out of retirement uh, for this game, and it wouldn't have made the Super Bowl 49 right, but it was it was cinematic, and then for them not to get the playoff, pushes them back five yards, no longer goal line situation. Lynch goes back to the sideline where he stays. That was a huge mistake. And then the, the Hollister play, he put, you know, Russell Wilson puts it on him. And like I said, the linebacker, you just got to give him credit. That's a great, great, great play in a huge st- spot that can save a team. And it could be the difference between the 49ers winning the Super Bowl and being uh. one and done in the playoffs. The NFL is so resistant to clarity and grand sweeping statements about what just happened. At the start of that drive, I wrote 49ers defense ferocious in the first half of the season, but below average statistically. This is a big test here. And it feels like they passed the test because Greenlaw depleted Hollister right. right at the goal line. But all that happened in between there. It, it, there's no clarity. Was, that game could have gone in so many different directions just by the vicis, vicissitudes of what was going on. Right. That the the stuff that you can practice in terms of situational football, I I think should bother Pete Carroll. I had like I had a smarmy tweet. I'm glad I did not send out. But immediately when they took that delay a game, I thought that's why Belichick didn't call the timeout. In the Super Bowl. Because Pete Carroll gets so excite, overexcited about everything. They're just like, oh, what do we do here? Oh, let's get Lynch. Like, let's do that. They took a delay a game, not after their injured player, George Fant, had to run up to the line and spike it, which was also a mistake. Ultimately, you only have four plays to win the game. You would love, and you have plenty of time, you would love to call a play there and run it and throw a ball into the end zone that after that spike, they still didn't have enough time. They also burned timeouts late in that uh, spot when they got to the one-yard line. They got a first down uh, that went past the two, and they didn't have a timeout to use because they had just burned a couple of them. I mean, I would say uh, also, though, Seattle in the second half Three straight long touchdown drives. They deserve credit for showing up with a banged up roster. And, you know, 
a few little things go in the other direction. We're talking about Seattle yes. having won this and that, division. So. And that's why it's so crushing for the Seahawks to lose in this manner. And they're so banged up right now that they're really, to me, their only hope was to get a bye, get a home game or two, and use that clink advantage. And they lose that now. And to me, they're not a team that you could expect to make a deep run. Uh, I could see them going out as soon as, you know, six days from now. Well, they only stopped the 49ers offense twice the entire game. Seven days. Two punts, and now you're going into Philadelphia, a team that I'm not saying they're clicking on all cylinders on offense, but they found something to hang their hat on over the past month. This is a big test. I, I didn't expect to think the Seahawks might be the underdog in their first playoff game. Right. Me, me neither. And yet you're you're so right, Mark, to point out after ha- they're scoreless at halftime, dominated, and they go touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Jimmy G... And his offensive line shows up in a, in, in a game where they didn't really run the ball well. A, a play stands out to me with about seven minutes left. They have third and five. That's the point where you you think the Seahawks are going to get off the field, maybe force a field goal. And Jimmy G has all day to throw, finds Debo Samuel for an easy first down where he beats Shaquille Griffin, and they score a touchdown on the very next play. Their offense, for the most part, answered the bell time after time. They yes. averaged 8.3 yards per play, which is outrageous. That's crazy. I mean, that's it's far more than the Seahawks. So it's just two really good teams. And one team in the Seahawks, it's been lucky over and over and over. And sometimes when you're counting on luck, like it just doesn't go for you. And tonight they were unlucky. All right, so... San Francisco gets it done. They're the one seed. Let's talk about a team that's going to actually be playing next week. But you can argue that we might be talking about the greatest number three seed in NFL history. Uh, They are the Saints. So a third down and seven for the Saints. Panthers bring five. Breeze has time in the pocket. Throws in the middle. Has Taysom Hill wide open to the 40. 35, 30, 25. Blocker in front. 15, touchback, 10, 5. Touchdown, Taysom Hill. What can't the man do? Who gets out in front for the block there? Mike Thomas. Michael Thomas springs a block down at the 10-yard line, and Taysom Hill does the rest. 45 yards. Drew Brees to Taysom Hill. Zach Streep, Deuce McAllister with the call for WWL. Taysom Hill delivered an exclamation point and sandwiches for Mark Sessler oh, yeah. with his eighth touchdown of the season. The final score in the Seahawks' 42-10 win over the moribund Carolina Panthers at the Superdome. As I said, the Saints entered Sunday hoping to get uh, a bye and be set up with the Superdome. Uh, it didn't work out that way. Uh, but Chris Wessling... Despite that, and it is a bit of a bummer day if you're a Saints fan or you're inside that building, uh, they have to be feeling good about themselves as we turn the page to turn the calendar over to January. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't hard to uh, see the juxtaposition, the contrast between the Saints and Packers. I thought watching this game, the Saints look like the grown-ups sitting at the head of the table carving up roast beef at holiday, holiday time, and the Packers <laughs> are relegated to the folding wobbly card table in the corner with the kids because they were messing around with the Lions while the Saints came in and just took care of business with the Panthers to the point where a few minutes into the game, the only suspense was, is Mark going to get his Taysom Hill sandwiches? And will Christian McCaffrey join the 1000-1000 club? That happened in the third quarter Mm. and Mark's Taysom sandwiches came in the fourth quarter. The Saints, this was a well-rounded game. Once again, Kamara had two TDs and once again, 
He ran through a big hole with great blocking, and we don't know if he's back to his normal self or not. I, I'm not seeing a guy who's 2018 explosive, but this offense is getting it done right now. You go back to Week 10, where they the Saints fell to Atlanta nine to twenty twenty six to nine. Since then, their offense has been on fire: thirty four points, thirty four points, twenty six, forty six, thirty four, thirty eight. Wow, that's why I don't. 32. I don't. I, yes, every team would like to have a buy. I don't have a problem with some teams having to go that extra game, that extra journey, and I think that they're going to wax Minnesota next week with very little issues. Mm. Saints have yeah, averaged 40 points per game over the final four weeks of the season. That is outrageous, and the way it's set up, they still are you know, in the Packers' lane because if they beat the Vikings, they will be going to Green Bay. So even though you wanted the, the home game, you still would like to be in the Packers lane versus it could have worked out in a way where you were playing hosting the 49ers in in the second week of the right playoffs. This isn't that bad of that's, a result. That's the benefit when you talk about the three seed or the four seed. The three seed means you avoid the one seed until the latest possible stage of the conference playoffs, which is the championship game. I mean, the Saints aren't the first team I'd want to throw into like negative 13 wind chill in Green Bay necessarily, uh, but this is a little bit of a different Saints team. So. And you would think that even more if you saw the deep ball that Drew Brees tried to throw to Ted Ginn today where he put his whole body into it. And I, I don't know. I think it might have been Trey Boston had all day to run under it and, and I'm intercept sorry. the ball. I'm not doubting that guy after the last month of football, though. Mm. No, he's played well. And I believe if my calculations are correct, he has a career high in passer rating this year, 116.2. Jeez. Biggest upset of the day, though, uh, the leading receiver of this game. Anyone want to guess? How about Brandon Zelstra? I saw that coming. <laughs> Six for 96 for the Panthers. Kyle Allen coming in off the bench. Will Greer, this Zilstra. audition, this uh, that was not a good audition for Mr. Greer, and he went out of this game with a foot injury, correct? Well, he, yes, it, it was ugly early for him, and I think the Saints did him a favor by putting him out of the game. One of our listeners said he looked like he had a 1,000-yard stare coming off the field, and that was putting it mildly. Wow. Like a guy that had seen too much at war. Yes. That team yeah. crumbled about as about as ferociously as one could imagine. This Saints team has been through a lot. The fact that they could go undefeated without Breeze. They lose two starting offensive linemen three weeks ago, four weeks ago. That hasn't slowed them down. They're unlucky that they get the 13-3. and three. I don't know. It just is. They feel like they're as mentally, psychologically tough as any team in the league. And they get to uh, take out some uh, Minneapolis Miracle revenge Ooh, game next week. That's nice. Uh, one quick note before we get to the Green Bay Packers. We have, for the first time ever, our own television show on NFL Network that will premiere on Friday, this Friday. At what time, Greg? 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, the Around the NFL show on NFL Network. They're giving us 30 minutes uh, each of the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, so three shows uh, leading up to uh, conference championships. So that's very exciting. like the network is finally into generating some ratings. And this there is how you do it. And it's they're like, replaying yeah. it all the time. I mean, just just season pass it, DVR it. Just watch every time they play it, too. I it's, love it. It's your job. All right, the Packers. We're going we're gonna to head over to the kids' table. Yeah. Oh, it's wobbly. The paper plates. Oh, no. And the styrofoam cups. <laughs> People are playing with their food. Yeah, the kids, you know, they're, <laughs> they're not even, they're not, they don't even appreciate what they have. There's a dog sitting at the table. And there's one crazy kid who won't even sit down, and you want the other parents to be like, the kid's parents to be like, hey, 
Put the boy in line. Get a bead on that child. His hands yeah. have cranberry on him. Now he's on the couch. He's yeah. it's my couch. <laughs> That's the Packers. This is why no one comes over to my house. <laughs> Let's check it out. A house of my couch. a year ago. He has a chance to win it for Green Bay. Here we go. Down on one knee, arm extended. Here's the snap. High snap. Placement made. Kick to the upright. It is good. It is good. Mason Crosby has done it. A dagger. And the Packers are into no worse than the number two seed in the NFC playoffs. And a week off, Green Bay is into the divisional round of the playoffs. Wayne Larravee. With the call for WTMJ. Yes, after Aaron Rodgers' uh, Aaron Jones's 31-yard catch and run moved the Packers into field goal range, Mason Crosby kicked a 33-yard field goal. His time expired. It lifted the Packers to a 23-20 win over the lines at Ford Field, a game that the Packers fell behind two touchdowns uh, before finally waking up. And, Mark, this was a game that Aaron Rodgers – could not look worse early on. His numbers were some of the worst of his career at halftime. But to the Packers' credit, they're not playing as well as some of these other superpowers. They found a way to get the job done, and that happened a lot this season as their 13-3 and record illustrates. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint, that they, they're working out the kinks finally before they head into this postseason journey. But Aaron Rodgers, over the first 27 minutes of this horrific Packers first half had 29 air yards and just looked completely out of sync with his wideouts. And, you know, it's Detroit has made a cottage industry of blowing games. No team in the league has blown They're awesome, second half leads awesome. more than Detroit Lions under Matt Patricia. And so, you know, it was not surprising to see Green Bay kind of finally find the rhythm and get back into this. Rodgers, you know, and I went on, we went on Sky Sports and I basically said how the Packers looked that was done, awesome. done to me. And two seconds later, Rodgers, you know, hits an absolute dart to Devontae Adams for a touchdown. <laughs> then hit Alan Lazard, some beautiful throws. So it's like, I don't want to over worry about the Packers. They don't feel to me. Like a 13-3 and three team. They don't. And I'd be a little bit concerned. Uh, now, they have a break, which is nice, but they lost Brian Balaga to a concussion. Balaga. Corey Lindsley, their center, went out with a back injury. Came, He was okay, apparently, after, but they were real banged up. Uh, you know, the, the Lions, to me, do not deserve to be toying with Green Bay for 30-plus minutes of this game the way that they were. Yeah. I mean, you know, big day for the Blauhards almost. Almost. But... More adversity. Horseshoes and hand grenades, my friend. This stat feels like who the Packers are. They have led for zero seconds against the Lions this year and won both games. That's crazy. It is. And, you know, Dan Orlovsky, who does a good job with this analysis on ESPN, said after the game, if you have to pick a quarterback likely to go bonkers in the playoffs – Look for Aaron Rodgers because, you know, he just missed a couple of a series of beautiful throws on Sunday. We say this almost every week. Exactly. He yeah. throws beautiful downfield passes and they just miss a lot of them. That's not the issue. The issue is feast or famine. What do you do when you're not hitting those throws? And usually their offense goes in the tank and, for long stretches. And he was protected well and he just he didn't have an answer for it after the game. He just said he was missing. Like some some weeks he, he can't explain it. But I mean, it was one of the worst games, as you mentioned, just in terms of accuracy of his career. ESPN tracked him for 16 overthrows. 
that was the most in a game, or tied for the most since they've been keeping track of the stat in 2006, tied with Josh Freeman's one start for the Minnesota Vikings. Against Ouch. the Giants on Monday Night right, Football, exactly. right? Oh, exactly. The worst goodness. games of all time. One of the worst performances ever. Not that Rodgers was in that category, and it, they do get some credit for finding a way to actually win, but it's like... Yeah, the Lions didn't even have Galladay in this game after a little while. No, I, just, like, I don't know if they're fool's gold because, I mean, they they played a very complete game against the Vikings last week. So, you know, listen, that they're... I just I I would have no no not be surprised if they if they were the team that in the it, you know the divisional round lost at home. Well, no no one's gonna if if the Saints beat the Vikings, no one's gonna expect the Packers to win that game. Whether whether and no one you know that's off the consensus really? is often wrong, but everyone is gonna expect the Saints to go to I Green Bay. I don't and know beat about them. that. It it depends totally on what the weather is like. Yeah, I, one one my last point about Green Bay is I feel the same as you, Mark, and I guess Greg, and I think we're all on the same page. Can you kind of fake your way to thirteen and three, or at a certain point, are they just get they do a nice job closing out games, and that that means they should be taken seriously? I mean, thirteen and three. It's just puzzling. They three. just don't feel like a thirteen. Sure, and but team that's you know that you I've don't take the the our next team, the Patriots, seriously at twelve and four, and it. It is just about the eye test. And a lot of times the regular season eye test doesn't carry over. And, and the Packers are one of four teams that get next week off. That is pretty huge. That is huge. All right. Let's move on. First down. It's Patrick. Back to throw. Looking. Fires. Back to the end zone. Touchdown. Mike Kosicki. Unbelievable. With 24 oh, wow. seconds left. Oh, oh. How about Mike Kosicki back to the end zone, running right down the middle, back to the end zone. Oh. Fitzpatrick puts it right on the money. Holy smokes, what a drive. Oh, indeed. Oh, indeed. Jimmy Suffalo. Bob Greasy and Joe Rose with the call. Ryan Fitzpatrick. More like Fitz Magic, am I right, Greg? Threw a five-yard touchdown pass to Mike Kosicki. 24 seconds to play. The Dolphins stun the Patriots 27-24. to A win that costs the Pats. A first-round bye for the first time in a decade. Greg, uh, this was first of all, this whole scenario was foretold by someone. On Thursday show, but who cares about that? After years of taking advantage of other teams' late season stumbles, the Patriots stumbled themselves, and it has cost them dearly. They're playing next week. Yeah, they are. It reminds me of 2015 when they also lost in Week 17, lost home field advantage also to the Dolphins, and that was a team that felt like it was on their last legs, and offensively, this team is certainly that way. The fact that Tom Brady played his worst game today, I think was the most notable part of this result. The defense didn't play well. They didn't force a turnover. You give up a big drive at the end. Fitzpatrick was the best quarterback in the division all year. He's better than Sam Darnold, better than Josh Allen. I think he was better than Tom Brady when you consider this game. But Brady's missed throws and seemingly the punishment that Bill Belichick was giving Brady or the offense by not even trying to score at the end of the that first was weird. half. What was going and not on there? Using timeouts. I think it was his way of saying, we don't want to give the Dolphins the ball back. We don't really trust our offense. We're going to run a lot. And it was a very strange moment and a lack of confidence in this offense, which you can understand why there's a lack of confidence, but it, it seemed like cutting off his nose uh, to spite his face. Patriots desperately wanted this game. We heard. Belichick tells his players the playoffs start this week. And of course. They, yeah. they played their hearts out and still lost. And credit Ryan Fitzpatrick. I feel like this game was the microcosm for a wild season 
and this season was the microcosm for a wild career. It just like to everything came to a head in this game. He was supposed to be a tackling dummy. He was the old quarterback that was being sent out to slaughter on what was supposed to be the worst team of all time. And week after week after week, he's been keeping this team in games and winning games. And yeah, this was the microcosm. This was the culmination of what, yes, a 5-11 and 11 is not what the Dolphins wanted because they wanted to get Joe Burrow, whoever the quarterback. Finished 5-4. and four. They beat two division winners in December. So the Patriots weren't the only team that's going to be hosting a game in the playoffs and lost to the Dolphins in December. They beat the Eagles I, too. I saw someone note on Crazy. Twitter that New England lost to the four best teams in the AFC with, with Miami being, being one of them at this point. And you go back and you look at the journey for this team. Week one, losing 59-10. to 10. Week two to the Patriots, 43 to nothing. Week three, 31 to six. And they went on and on. And it was like, they looked like one of the most disgraceful operations around. And I guess I would trade in the whole first round pick thing for the concept and the idea and the belief that you have a really good coach in Brian Flores who did a lot with a little. He could have left Josh Rosen in for the season and said, hey, we, we know we're building. We know, we're not playing for this year. And instead he went, he tried to win games. He tried to play good football. And they the last drive, 13 plays, 75 yards. And that, for all the struggles of Tom Brady and the offense, and, you know, it's the one thing the Patriots have had all season is this defense. And it hasn't been as... It hasn't been as historically dominant as it was in the first half when the Pats were 8-0 and and they finished 12-4. and So even I can do the math. They were a 500 team in the second half. And they couldn't get the stop. And even... Even the great Stefan Gilmore, who um, may win Defensive Player of the Year, Devontae Parker, he, he had his way with him. You were cackling in the newsroom. I mean, oh, yeah. he had a Dan, big completion is, in the fourth this quarter. Is, this is the biggest moment of Dan's <laughs> decade. I would say since we've had the podcast, except for that um, Ryan Fitzpatrick when they won. Oh, no, wait, they lost in Week 17. But they won 10 games that year. We've Maybe the Sanchez. This was the you can't lay on my brain right now, Greg. Nice try. Uh, it's amazing nice try. because Fitzpatrick does this with no running game. I mean, they have absolutely no running game. I found it stunning. Ryan Fitzpatrick ran the ball more more this year on called passes than any quarterback in the league. He, more than Lamar Jackson, more than anyone else, and he was effective doing it. And today was a great example why. The Patriots had 29 hurries on Ryan Fitzpatrick. So many times they got rushers, a lot of times free rushers in his face, and he got out of the way of them. A lot of what they've done defensively, especially the cover zero where you're blitzing like crazy, just hasn't worked that well in December. And they've made a living off a turnover differential all year. They didn't force a turnover. They ended up minus two. One of those was on the last play of the game. But either even then, they were going to be minus one today. It was Tom Brady's pick six on a weird throw. And that was kind of the difference. In the end, Brady like led them back from Ted Nothing, got the key touchdown. It, it was a full team loss, but not a... Not one that was undeserved. These look like two very evenly I mean, matched teams. The craziest statistic of the entire football season is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the oldest player in NFL history to lead his team in rushing, and he had about 240-something yards rushing. To your point that the Dolphins cannot run the ball. He ran for his life all season, and he stayed alive. And now factor in what he did with the Bucks offense last September, and tell me this guy shouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL in 2020. I mean, he's under contract with the Dolphins, a team that's going to draft a rookie quarterback, draft a quarterback, 
and presumably want him to play immediately. I'm not ready to say goodbye to Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's seen, you know, one thing though, before, I don't want to get too carried away because he always finds his way back into the starting lineup. I just would rather him go compete somewhere, but I don't know if teams are like that with him at this point where they're going to say, well, we'll bring in Fitzpatrick for a chance to start. He might be better in Miami in like a two-to roll and end up getting starts that It'd way. It'd be surprising to see someone want to trade for him, and there's right. no way that the Dolphins... Right. I mean, I guess someone would for the for a really low price, but you would expect him to be competing. Maybe it's with Tua. The pay, the Dolphins didn't even lose any in their draft slot today by winning, so that was another bonus. They stayed uh, at the number five pick. Obviously, they're going home, and the Patriots is the bigger repercussion because this team, which was so limited all year, really needed that buy. I think more than any other team, and. I, I kind of thought when they beat the Bills, maybe that's their moment and their next big game is going to be against Kansas City, which was going to be a big-time uphill battle. Now, they're, if they try to make it to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to win a very tough wild-card game. They'll try. You're going to... Right. You're going to have to win on the road in Kansas City. That seems like a death sentence, e- even for a team as resourceful uh, as the Patriots. I mean, say they got to win the first game. The sense of justice is that the AFC is correctly seated. The Patriots, I don't care about their record. They are not right. the one of the two best teams it, in the AFC it, on any level. Well I, said. I, I I agree. And it I feel like as a Patriots fan, A, you're it's really hard. You can't com- it's hard to complain when you've just watched the greatest run and they're still in it that any American, you know, professional sports team has ever been on. You're gonna whine because you got a three seed. I really do no, the Yankees. I, I really on. do see You're ridiculous. I'm saying yes. okay, the Yankees, in, in our on. in our lifetime. Okay. In our lifetime. All right. And to me in, in the NFL it's such a unique thing to do it over twenty years. Nothing's been close to that. But the fact that they've managed to scrape out twelve wins with a pretty bad team, like that somehow winning is such in their bones that they still manage to have a twelve win season, which for about twenty franchises in the league would be the best year they've had in a decade, is almost to me a testament to how good they are. It doesn't make this team any better though. They would have been ten and six with a tougher record. So Greg's in denial, uh, but he has a really good attitude on the surface. Uh, you are not you you have a positive outlook on the surface. Not everyone is feeling as positive on the surface or beneath it. Here's Ricky Hollywood right after the game. Patriots <laughs> Stink! No, no. I can't believe you got this. No. How old are you, Erica? Uh, you're not allowed to ask a woman. You're in your mid twenties. Yeah, and <laughs> mid to late. You've mid known to nothing. Shut up, Greg. You've known nothing but mid glory. And after a season that ends twelve and four, look at the Chiefs fan right next to you, Bartlett. Too mm-hmm. twelve and four. You're saying the Patriots stink. How about you eat some humble pie, right, lady? What do you mean? Just you know, take the loss like a woman. I got a text mm. from my dad. Can't you just not wait until like Adam Gase or the the Jets have like one ten win season so we can get back at Dan when it ends? How is a woman supposed to take a loss Can't versus it, a man? Can't Dan. do it. Won't Can't hurt me today. Did Can't you, hurt me today. Did Answer you that. see that stat? Uh, AFC East standing since Week Nine, Patriots are in last place. Oh. Mm. oh. Heading in the wrong Where are the direction. Jets? Where are the Browns? Where Jets are the are Bengals, Wes? The way up. What about your Rams, Wes? Of course. Or, I don't have the Rams. Yeah, the Browns are what in great. Bron- what about your Broncos? Hit me where I'm not walking around celebrating the Browns. Where's your head coach, Mark? <laughs> All right. Oh, my goodness. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, and, you know, since we're here, 
I'm curious how Scott Zolak is taking that. Oh, uh, I want to know. It's magic touchdown. So let, let's yeah, let's check that out. What a great day this is. Gesicki to the right. This takes the snap. He's looking to the middle. He throws to the back of the end zone. Caught by Gesicki. What a try. Touchdown Miami. Ooh. 24 seconds to go. And the Dolphins have taken the lead. What an unbelievable drive by Miami. Credit Chad O'Shea oh. and Ryan Fitzpatrick. More importantly, Devontae Parker. Phenomenal playmaker down the right side to get it going on a big 29-yarder. Gesicki, the pass. Receiving tight end with the big touchdown catch to take the lead late. Mm. What a wow. measured, professional, yeah. mature That's announcing gross. job. Dad is that like, is I'm gross. so annoyed that I didn't listen to this before we played it. What wow. a sportsman. To He's it. a sportsman. He is. I, what you know, growth? I don't know if maybe. Greg's hurting right now. No. He's hissing at me. <laughs> no, maybe, I'm saying maybe Zolak is in the same place. I am watching, shots. The, watching this game, and it's like. I don't know. There is a piece to it. If 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 they don't, if they're not a good team, they're not a good team. I don't think I mean? you and Zolak have ever mm. been in the same place no. watching a. I thought the game. same thing. Greg's saying or a similar thought that Zolak, uh, you give I give him, we give him a lot of heat, but he's plugged in. He knows that team. That sounds like a guy that understands that this team isn't a great team. Thank you. Right. I think one of the most jarring newsroom proclamations I've ever heard out of Greg's mouth mouth was that no matter what this Patriots team does, they'll always have week 16 against the Bills. <laughs> all I the said season was, was made all according I said to was Greg. I thought that was the their Bills. moment. It was a nice Man, moment for that this is, team. That is so depressing <laughs> to Greg's hear about today. the New England a lot of Patriots. things, yeah. You know, psychologically, Greg is going through some stuff. So yeah. I'm sure Brady's going to put that week 16 win on his mantle next to the Lombardi team. <laughs> and we get one more loss this season. Oh, it's coming. Ooh. You know it's coming, Greggy. <laughs> <laughs> There's no parade this year. Let's move on. To Juan Thornhill. Kick taken three yards deep in the end zone. Left side return. McCall Ooh, you can play that back on me if they win the Super Bowl. He's got some room at the 40. Oh, McCall wow, Hartman up the sideline. <laughs> stays on his feet. 35, 30. Catch it back. 25, 20. McCall Hartman, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Kansas City. 104-yard kickoff return by the Pro Bowl return specialist, McCall Hartman. Mitch Halt is KCFX with the call. Mitch does a good job. Nice, it is. Class, top class. McCall Harbin gave the Chiefs a massive boost when they needed it most. Right after a Chargers go-ahead touchdown, got the people in Arrowhead nervous. 104 yards later, Kansas City's ahead to good. A hard-earned 31-21 win over the Chargers. Who, to their credit, showed up here. But it wasn't enough. With the game in hand, uh, the Arrowhead crowd went into a frenzy when they learned that Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins had shocked the Patriots, uh, allowing KC now to grab that number two seed. Friend of the show, Kevin Harlan, by the way, painted the picture, calling two games at once in his latest masterwork. Do we have that? Meanwhile, Miami has first and goal down by four. 29 seconds left. Here, Butker kicks the extra point. And Fitzpatrick throws in the end zone. Touchdown, Miami! The (laughs) Dolphins have just scored. Gasicki, the tight end, got a laser in the back of the end zone by Miami quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick to take a lead with 24 seconds to go. And the crowd now knows it. 
What a throw by Fitzpatrick. What a touchdown run by Williams on the last weekend of the regular season in the NFL. If the Chiefs win and New England loses, the Chiefs will be the two seed. They'll get the bye and they'll have a home game the next weekend. I'm getting confused. What game are you calling? I'm calling both games. <laughs> CBS is going to send you two checks this week. I think I'm breaking every FCC rule in the book. Oh, Kevin Harlan, friend of the show. And remember, when he was on our show, it was after his famous black cat call right. where he was calling a Evan Ingram completion at the same time that the cat was running. There's nobody else in the business no, I mean, that can do what Kevin Harlan does. And it's impossible to know how hard it is to even call what you're watching with your eyes down on the field in front of you, much less double dip the way he did. And there's no other play-by-play guy that over the course of every football season has four or five like intense signature moments. You see his, his voice crescendos with that, that guy is drunk voice when he says, <laughs> I'm calling both games. Uh it was an interesting game because it was while the drama was unfolding in Miami, the Chargers were hanging around and the Chiefs, this was hardly um, their best game uh, offensively. In fact, they, they managed just 336 yards of offense. They were outgained uh, by the the Chargers just barely. They uh, ran only 48 plays to 74 by the Chargers, but two huge plays. You heard the McCall a Hardman kickoff return uh, that gave them the lead back after they had fallen behind early in the third quarter following a Patrick Mahomes interception. And then on the next drive, Patrick Mahomes takes the ball, sticks it in Damian Williams' gut, and he goes 84 yards, breaking a tackle and then taking it off down the near sideline for a touchdown. And I thought it was just kind of like symbolic and showed once again why I like this Chiefs team's chances uh, next month that that sequence, the kickoff return by Hardman, the run, uh, by Williams, it wasn't Patrick Mahomes. And then the defense getting the job done, closing out the game. This is not a one-dimensional team. And that's why uh, armed with a bye and a home game, that gets them to at least the AFC title game. Perhaps they even get a uh, home field if the Ravens stumble. Uh, that this uh, team has a real shot. Well, th- sometimes you need some luck to break what's been an unbelievably unlucky and unsuccessful playoff history that the Chiefs have had the last, what, four decades now. And they are so close right now to setting up what I think would be, the be- like, just on paper, the most exciting AFC title game matchup, like, in memory. If you get Lamar, a tw- you know, a second-year MVP versus Mahomes, a, a third-year quarterback who's also the MVP, like, I can't think of another title game that would have more hype ahead of it. Maybe Favre Saints in 09 when he was with the Vikings kind of reminds me of that. Mm. And this Chiefs team, like you said at the end, like the way if they can win games like this where when the offense isn't at their best, like I at least think they're going to get to that game. And as a football fan, I don't know. I think that would be exciting. I think another thing as a football fan, if you look at the history of the draft and the linking between Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers that Philip Rivers after this game was asked basically about his future in Los Angeles and said, you know, I, th- this may not happen, but we'll find out. Yeah. Well, let's hear what okay. Rivers had to say. <laughs> he could say it better than me. Way to tee it up. It's the, I think it's that I can, I can say I gave it up everything I had. I mean, every week, you know, so, you know, and, and maybe it means an interception on fourth and 18 when you're down 10, because I don't care. <laughs> Uh, that it's going to say two interceptions. You know, I really don't. It's just like I ain't quitting. So I think that, I think, I think that, that um, doing it with so many guys over, you know, 14 years and, and going to the locker room, win or lose, and I can say, that gummit, we're short. We fell, we fell short. 
but or we won, you know. Uh, but shoot, I, I couldn't try it any harder. So I think two different kind of elements there. But uh, I think that's the two things that come to my mind. Does that sound to you, Greg, like a guy who knows a, a chapter and his book is closing here? Expecting it at least. I don't know if anyone there totally knows what like who's going to be there and who's not. But I think he's reading the tea leaves that this coaching staff might not be a huge fan. And he did say, if some other team will have me, I'll be starting game you know number 215 in a row in week one <laughs> nice. next year. So it, it, as lo- he says, as long as one of the 32 teams sees me as a starter, I think I'll someone. I, I think someone would. And I was just going to mention that it's wild that we could see the end of Rivers in with the Chargers and Eli Manning in the Giants after the way that draft day thing went down on the same day, many, many, and many ben years later. Ben in the same and year. Ben. Just because at this point with his injury, the, what you, we've heard, it's no lock that we'll see him again. I never heard that Rivers to the Colts connection until Brand- Dan brought it up last week, but now I'm seeing it all over the place. Mm-hmm. I hope that happens. Influencer. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. That's the way I look at it. But I do think he could have good football, and he's a guy you root for, and you want to see him have a, maybe a Montana final act where he goes to a team, and it's fun, and he has one more shot at it. It would stink if he somehow landed with a team that, you know, you know, pick a team that that was not uh, a contender. or any, Carolina Panthers? He just fades, yeah, into oblivion. With we don't need that. A Panthers-type team. Let's hope he lands on his feet somewhere, and maybe it is still in the Chargers. You never know. One thing with the Chiefs, they – Juan Thornhill, who was a safety on my all-rookie team, had a knee injury today, and Rap Sheet reported that they think he's going to miss the playoffs with the injury. That's big. Ouch. Um, all right, let us uh, move on now and check in on the NFC East, see how that all sorted out. Jones calling for the football. He fumbles it. He is hit. The football is fumbled. The Eagles are after it, and it is picked up again, and it is... Recovered down at the one by Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox down at the one-yard line as Daniel Jones lost the football for the 11th time this season. Too many times. Merrill Reese, WIP, with the call. I've heard a lot from Merrill Reese because the Eagles keep winning. Fletcher Cox scooped up Daniel Jones' fumble. It put the Eagles in control. And Boston Scott, who? Boston Scott had three touchdowns and well over 100 yards of scrimmage in place of an injured Miles Sanders as the injury-ravaged Eagles beat the Giants 34-17. to The win, of course, clinches the NFC East title uh, for the Eagles, who are in the playoffs for the third straight year. It was a 4-0 close to the season for Philadelphia and head coach Doug Peterson, who deserves to be coach of the year consideration. John Harbaugh will probably get it, but... What he was able to wring out of a roster that's been decimated by injuries week after week after week, and it happened again today with Sanders uh, going out. Uh, also, Zach Ertz not playing in this game. Uh, guard Brandon Brooks goes out with a shoulder. Sanders had an ankle, and they just kept finding ways to make it worth. I work. I think it's a combination of Carson Wentz, a, a great young quarterback, kind of uh, taking his game to the next level, which is what truly great quarterbacks do, and a coach who knew how to make the most of a roster when it got to crunch time, Chris Wesley. And I think an Eagles team that's a veteran team with playoff experience, knowing that there was a sense of urgency, maximizing its roster, you know, and basically whatever talent they had left that was healthy, scratching its way into the postseason by hook or by crook, in juxtaposition to the Cowboys who underperformed and let the season slip away. 
Yeah, I feel like there are different type of coach of the year arguments. There is the John Harbaugh who I mean Peterson you know, wouldn't be in the top he, ten. He I wouldn't, but I would say down. this that like what they he had guys on the know, practice squad like I, I get it. They also under they underachieved for half a season and they went nine and seven and they beat the Giants Redskins. You know, at the end of the season, it, they, they did, a, they did well. a great job. I'd say his stock, is have, up. his stock is up. Absolutely. I mean, come on. I mean, absolutely. Like, but they, they were one of the most disappointing teams for half of the season. They also played the wrong players for right. the year. Right. And, and they did an unbelievable job getting it all together. Don't get me wrong. But their defense, for the most part, has been healthy. They've been a very up and down team that got it together, beat the Giants a couple times, beat the Reds because they were all close games. Wentz was been unbelievable. I mean, they have been resourceful, and it's nice to see a team that kind of has the DNA of playing well late in the season. No matter how that they got to that point, especially after that Giants game, it felt like, hey, we act- we got here. Let's go win, and who knows? I mean, they are, they are not pretty doing it. Like they, th- This game was in question for vast amounts of time. I, this was my lock, and I thought this was the dumbest decision I made all year. <laughs> Here's the stat that, purpose, that perfectly encapsulate <laughs> what it means to be a franchise quarterback. So Wentz became the first player today in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards in a season without a 500-yard wide receiver, uh, which just tells you a couple things. Tells you the injuries that hit this wide receiver group. They lost, what, their top three wide receivers? Uh, and Wentz staying healthy and continuing to find ways to make it work, especially in these last four games. Because yes, you can't completely divorce uh, the first three the first three quarters of the season from the final quarter. Uh, but you know, this is money time. We we joked about it. The season starts after Thanksgiving, and but it's kind of true. And th- and now here we are in January. And the Eagles, I know they're probably not a Super Bowl team, uh, but they're one of the teams I look forward mo- to most watching play because I'm wondering if this is a Cinderella situation uh, in a different script from the one that led to their Super Bowl win. But again, is this a team to to completely count out? Uh, not in, yet. Anywhere. I, I, I'm not going to do it. We'll see who's healthy next week. That'll be a big factor. Miles Sanders, Brooks. I mean, those Zach Ertz, those are players that they were going to be hoping that are available. And, uh, you know, if they're not, if nothing else, they're the class of the NFC East. I think that feels good that you got uh, Cowboys to get rid of their coach probably by the time people listen to this. We don't know this, but it'll happen. Like the Giants, that could be the same too. The Redskins, they're changing coach. Like the rest of the division is a mess. And even with all these injuries, the Eagles end up on top. Well, I would say plenty good. of Eagles fans would rather that Jason Garrett stay in Dallas too. So <laughs> I'm glad you introduced that by saying Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback because every quarterback in the NFL goes through ups and downs. And we've had fans reach out to us on Twitter and say, when are you going to take Carson Wentz to task for not being a franchise quarterback? Look, we've Please. seen him play at an MVP level. We saw him raise this team. Next time he goes through a slump, we don't have to have and is this guy a franchise quarterback discussion? Because he's already proven it. I think part of it was even Eagles fans being a little salty about, you know, because Foles is the one that closed out the last two seasons, which makes this run, even if it ends next week, all the more meaningful, that this was something Wentz can put his signature on. All right, so let us now move on. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys, they were hoping to steal the division at 8-8. Eight and eight. It didn't happen. Let's check in on that game. Snap out of the gun on third down. They block it up over the middle, caught first down. Gallup kept his feet. 25 left sideline. 10-5. Dancing in. Gallup walks the dog. Touchdown, Cowboys. <laughs> what an athletic play. And Gallup takes it into the end zone for the second time. His second touchdown of the game. Brad Sham, the sham god. Uh-oh, crime spree. Drop the pin. 
This is what it is, Mark. Forget our crime spree. This is the natives. No, no, it's to me, it's a, a decades-old cop drama in, like, San Francisco streets. Bring us the girl. Here comes Khan through the trees. That movie's not getting made in 2019. No, it's not. <laughs> Na- I mean, natives? We can't say natives anymore? Well, you have, so... Bring the girl. Sometimes that also feels off kilter. Look, Wes. <laughs> That's natural. There were sacrifices. That was a thing. Don't try to erase history, Greg. I, you, you are answering a question I didn't ask. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. But I'd like to know what's in your head. So Greg's still fun. mad about I'm not sure. I, I no, I was, I was talking about the Kong of it all. I don't even, you, you, went, you took it in another direction, but it was nice. As the kids say, a cell phone. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, here we go. Dak Prescott threw four touchdown passes. Sex. Three <laughs> to 2019 breakout wideout Michael Gallup. 47-16 Cowboys win. A win that meant nothing uh, when the Eagles beat the Giants. West, this game will further burnish all those impressive DVOA analytics for all those Cowboy heads out there. Uh, but like this game, it ultimately means nothing. Eight and eight. Mark ended up covering this game, but I did see a Troy Aikman quote where he he basically said the Cowboys are talented enough to be to beat any team in the league, and fans out there will say, "Well, any team can say that." They can't. Any team cannot say that. They're not talented. The Cowboys have the talent to beat any team. They also can play as poorly as any team and lose to any team, and that's been their season all year long. Yeah, this was the anti. Uh Chiefs, Dolphins, Patriots, Kevin Harlan moment because as Dallas was romping over the Redskins, you know, in the fourth quarter, you could see that the Eagles were pulling away and that this win was utterly meaningless. And to your point, Wes, before about just their talent and how disappointing their season has been, they're different to me than the Eagles because this game showed flashes of total dominance from Michael Gallup. I thought Zeke Elliott ran really, really well. Dak Prescott had a couple amazing throws and one Gallup where he broke away from a Redskins defender, ran into another one and stiff-armed the guy to the ground. And you just went in, when they're like the, the, against a couple weeks ago against the Rams, when they explode and blow up and do what they can do, you're looking at you're looking at a playoff team. This I would have taken Dallas at their peak as the NFC East team that could have won a playoff game. I don't feel that way about the Eagles the same way. I just think their ceiling is different, but the, the Cowboys are so wacky that they're perfectly what you would consider an 8-8 eight and eight team. One week this, one week this, things are, things are they're, good. Well, they're the next kind week. of an unusual 8-8 eight and eight in that most 8-8 eight and eight teams are just kind of mediocre middling teams that win one, lose one, win two, lose two. This team showed an elite ceiling and then a floor that was just like gross. They, they finished yeah. the season with a plus 97 point differential, which is what you would expect out of a 12-4 and four type of team, 11-5 and five type of team. I do wonder, just because sometimes the how the season ends – has an emotional impact, especially on such an emotional decision maker like Jerry Jones. If Michael Gallup's big finish will have, and Amari Cooper's disappointing finish on balance will have any impact on Amari Cooper's mm. quest to become, you know, the highest paid wide receiver in the league, because all of this Dak Prescott messing around with his contract, I don't think has been a huge deal because it's not like Dak's going anywhere. But if you don't get the deal done now and Dak's got all the leverage in in February, you can only franchise one of them. And if you can only franchise one of them, Amari Cooper's probably playing elsewhere this year. Maybe the Cowboys won't mind that. I don't know. But you can use the transition tag too. We'll see. I mean, yes, you get an extra tag this year. Right, and Jerry doesn't lose stars. 
and we will, you know, we'll hold off on the Jason Garrett job security talk for the most part because tomorrow's show we'll have a special Monday edition of the podcast, Black Monday. No, excuse me. New Horizons Monday. <laughs> I like that <laughs> podcast coming up tomorrow, and we'll dig in on uh, the fate of Jason Garrett, which seems sealed, but as of right now, he's still employed. Uh, well, he's not under contract anymore. No, he contracts might, up. He is not employed. That so was wouldn't nice even job. be fired. Jerry doesn't even have to fire his favorite employee ever. All right, let's uh, move back to the AFC. There was a team that uh, plays in Nashville that had a chance to do two things: to go nine and seven again, but also make the playoffs. Did they get it done? During the late game tonight, as Henry gets the carry, he's to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. Wow. Derek Henry to the house, 53 yards, touchdown, Titans. He's over 200, he's over 1,500, and he is the baddest man at NRG Stadium today. Yes, Mike. Wow. <laughs> WGFX, yes, you are a bad man. NFL rushing champion Derrick Henry ran for a season high 211 yards and three touchdowns. I guess that hamstring's okay. The Titans beat up on the Texans reserves. 35-14 is the final. Uh, the Texans, of course, resting many key players ahead of next week's playoff matchup with the Bills. The win clinched a wild card spot for the eternally 9-7 Titan, Titans. Uh, and here's the difference. 9-7 was was a bit of a scarlet letter for this team. Uh, but this team is different, right, Wes? This team feels dangerous. All of that is true. And this team, this game, you know, let's call it what it was. The Texans sat six starters and benched others throughout the game as the media carried water all week for, for a coach who was going to perpetuate half-truths as a pep talk for his team, and the media just let him do it like they were re- like he was really going to play all his You know players. who didn't let him do it, though? Chris Wessling of the Around. They really the didn't in Houston. They Even as early as, like, Thursday, they said, well, they'll probably sit there. Don't, don't take down Wes's... I, we, we bought it nationally. <laughs> a, right very, a very solid national reporter was out at the forefront yes, of this saying yes. he's going to play all his players. And, you know, said it? national reporter should have seen through it. He, who was it? He works here. So, you know, <laughs> no, oh, no, okay. no. He does not work okay, here. Oh, well, I saw one here, too. <laughs> you know, He works happens. for ESPN, and he's right. great at Anyway. Him. Anyway. <laughs> This was the game of the triplets. Ryan Tannehill, to my mind, who has comeback player of the year, locked up. A.J. Brown, who has, I think, beaten Josh Jacobs by a nose at the finish line by averaging 111 yards and a touchdown over the last six weeks. And Derrick Henry, the NFL's rushing leader, who went over 200 yards on a 53-yard touchdown to seal this game. And at that point, it was the Texans' subs in the game. So take from it what you will. My thing on the, on the Titans, they are scary for the Patriots, very scary because of this offense that's averaging 30 points a game with Tannehill in 10 games. Uh, and Tannehill, Tannehill uh, a note, first quarterback in 30 years since Joe Montana to complete 70% of his passes at nine yards an attempt. Just a great, wow. hyper-efficient showing of him this year. This team has defense issues, and they allowed A.J. McCarron to go down the field on the opening drive of the game, and they allowed him to go down the field on the opening drive of the second half 
A.J. McCarron's not good, and he held the ball too long in the pocket. That should not be allowed to happen. The Titans have cornerback issues, they have pass rush issues, and they have kicker issues. Yeah, it's not a great defense. Hmm. So I think the Patriots, you know, think, okay, this is, you know, a defense that made the playoffs that we can actually score on. But the Titans' offense is so explosive. They've, they, I know it was a long time ago, but they beat the drum out of the Patriots a year ago. And I just think when you look at the whole playoff field, like if I was power ranking uh, Wait a second now. the playoff field, I think the Titans are better than the Bills. I think they're better than the Texans. I think they're better than the Seahawks. I think they're better than the Eagles. Better than and, they're, the Patriots. and they're probably better than the Patriots. If it's a neutral field, I would say they're better than the Patriots. Like I think the Titans have that sort of upside. So this is not a normal 9-7 and seven sneak into the wild card type of thing. I can definitely see... A, a scenario where Bill Belichick closes this season having lost to two former employees. I imagine the desert will be feeling the Patriots win this game, but I don't think anybody would be shocked. And, you know, we'll get into this later, but I don't think anybody will be shocked if the Titans advance beyond the first round just because they're so explosive. And and we just saw what happened with the Patriots, of course, uh, getting beat on a final drive. That defense is not invincible anymore. That that is that is a not only the Patriots fall out of the bye, they kind of get a hellacious first round draw right. here. Right. Yep. I I think it because there's nothing you can do to coach up against. To me, AJ Brown's physical dominance and Jonu Smith's athleticism. Derrick Henry. And Tannehill's playing so great. It's definitely, they have weaknesses, certainly on defense, but it's a pretty complete team. It's very, very different than the other nine and seven Titans teams. And you can look at it just by how they've scored, how they've played with Tannehill, and their point differential on the year. I mean, they don't have the profile of a nine and seven team. I understand people who haven't watched the Titans on a weekly basis would be skeptical of Tannehill as maybe a one year wonder. But this guy is playing quarterback how we want it to be played. He is aggressive downfield. He is pulling the trigger on tight window throws. He has the athleticism to escape pressure and make plays out of the pocket. This is how we want swashbuckling quarterbacks to play football. Yeah, I think it's probably people just can't get past what Tannehill was for so long in Miami, and that's completely changed. And This team may have found a quarterback for as a long-term answer, and this game coming up, and we've laughed at the Titans endlessly on this show, is one of the biggest games in franchise history. I mean, this could alter everything. You The, the, the current perception of the Titans, for t- play, people aren't watching them weekly, would totally change the if way, they go into New England. You are mistaken. Left at the Titans. This is not that team. That's fine. Really, but that even, but even when they were, even when they were, yeah, but even when they they won yeah. a playoff game, they knocked off the Chiefs. It didn't stick. Right. It Did, didn't stick. You do wonder about the priority a little bit having Derrick Henry in there. Obviously, he didn't get tackled on that run because they wanted to get him the rushing record. He had 32 carries. The the history mm. of guys coming off of you know games where you have more than 30 carries the next week is pretty dramatic in terms of uh, a decline. And they had him out there because they wanted the rushing yardage. He type. wasn't taking. He was dishing out more hits than he was taking in that second half. All right, Pittsburgh entered uh, Week 17 hoping to find a way in the playoffs. It didn't happen. They didn't even find a way to win to close the season. That's a problem as well. The Ravens now offensively will have a chance to put it away. Barry from his five drops the snap, turns around, is dropped. Ball comes loose in the end zone. The Ravens recover. Touchdown, Ravens. Coming up with the ball is Brendan Trawick. And falling on it in the end zone was Jordan Richards. And with 436 left the play in the ball game, the haze in the barn. I was waiting, man. What are you doing? I was trying to see who scored the touchdown. Okay. It sounds like Jerry Sandusky and Dennis Pitta of WBAL are so 
used to winning that it's just like it just seems tiring. A lot of hay. They didn't even need to put the hay in the barn. No, not even leave it outside. Anymore. Not a lot of barns in Baltimore, by the way. Just throwing that out there. But um, it gets it gets farmy really quick though outside. That, that the is city sure, fair. but not in the farmy. not in the city limits of Baltimore. Are there not a, not many? Highly farmy. It gets farmy. It's wire season six. It's on the farm. <laughs> uh, Would have been better than the way they ended it. Oh. Little wire talk? Save for the wire pod. Please. The Ravens rested their starters against the Steelers team playing for the postseason. It didn't matter. Baltimore, Baltimore's defense shut down Pittsburgh 28-10 the final. The Ravens finished a regular season. A franchise record best 14-2. Up next, a bye and prep for the divisional round. Greg, I'm sure John Harbaugh relished beating the rival Steelers in this fashion. He loved it. They were throwing bombs up 28-10 with RG3 on first down. Uh, They're going for a fake punt on their own 11-yard line, down up nine points in the fourth quarter, and they converted it. I loved it. Uh, It was a very risky call. Wait, why did they do <laughs> they were up nine. It was fourth and one from their own eleven. They had it. They probably it's one of those automatic checks where they saw they just hiked it right to the guy who ran for it. It kept the ball. That's my coach of the year. That I mean <laughs> that is the coach of the year stuff. And he said after the game how much the rushing title meant to them. The rushing record. They broke a record that's been there since 1978. I, I know people say okay, a lot of inflated numbers in today's well, NFL. Just that, the fact that they play 16 games and those teams only played 14. Well, I, one of them. They almost... Fair point. I think they came in second for yards per game and it was very close, Wes. Uh, so actually, the team, the team, the 78 Patriots, they had played 16 games too. Ooh, it, more it, bad news for the Patriots today. <laughs> yeah, the, yes. Yeah, sorry to... Uh, what is his name? How many people even knew they had that record yesterday? Sam uh, Cunningham. Sam Bam Cunningham. Where did they go that year? Back in 1978. I think they made the playoffs. Let's check that they out. Were solid. Go ahead, Greg. They, uh, Ravens are a defensive team and they did rest a lot of key guys, but mo- the secondary was mo- almost all in there except for Earl Thomas. Their pass rush was in there and it was, it was a treat to watch them just destroy Duck Hodges. Nine for nine of 25. Uh, I don't know. I just like dominance. They're the best team I've ever seen, uh, since I've been covering football. Them and 07 Patriots would be the two. But they closed the season much stronger than the 07 Patriots. Well, when you say that RG3 was unfurling bombs, he had 96 yards on the field, no, so he, he wasn't completing This was an unfurling incompletion okay. up 28 to 10 deep down the field, just like you could tell they were trying to rub it in. The Steelers deflated as a team when they realized Duck didn't have it in the Bills game, and I commend Greg for having his finger on the pulse of both of these teams going into this game. You said the Ravens' backups would take it to the Steelers, and they did. And I don't think that you meant the Steelers' defense has been bad all year. Just that going into this game, uh, they have been broken by their quarterbacks. Right, and the and the Ravens' running game, you know, Gus Edwards, 130 yards. RG3 gets 50 on the ground. What a great sign without it's Mark just Ingram. In their D, I just think the system is so good that they're tough to stop. The 1978 Patriots went 11-5. and five. Their quarterback was Steve Grogan, who had 15 touchdowns and 23 picks, completed exactly 50% of his passes. It's a different world. They went one and done, got wiped out by the Oilers on New Year's Eve, uh, 1978. So there you go. Uh, Anything else in this game, Greg? No, I think that's it. TJ Watt with another forced fumble maybe uh, helps him in his defensive player of the year race, especially on a really tough day for Stefan Gilmore. Did have three penalties too, TJ Watt, but uh, he does that thing where he punches the ball out, but sometimes he misses. Does it well. And he just swung and 
punched Kills RG three <laughs> in the in the biceps so hard. I was like, God, that looks like the hard. He doesn't like, deserve that. That should yeah. be like a, a thirty yard penalty. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. even a penalty. I mean, that's legal. You can punch guys in the arm if they have the ball. You know Why what? Not? Should do? That should be reviewable, Wes. What do you think? <laughs> no, punch it in the arm. Try to get a fumble. I want to see a pair of brothers in the history of the NFL win Defensive Player of the Year. That'd be amazing. I think, they, I think Watt's got a pretty decent shot. TJ Watt, plenty of teams deciding not to draft him. Nice move. Yeah, Good crazy. luck to you. Good luck to me on what? Well, you want to see two brothers win <laughs> Defensive Player. I hope that happens for you. That is a goal of mine. I mean, I have it's a, a purely vicarious want. Let's move on. <laughs> Carr in the gun. I'm pulling for you. Four Thank you. Carr looks for the end zone, throws the ball. It is deflected, and two-point conversion is nullified. Guess who? Shelby Harris. Tenth pass deflection of the season. Whoa. Seven seconds left. 16-15 Denver. Dave Logan, KOA, with the call. Derek Carr's potential game-winning two-point conversion attempt batted down. Yeah, by you-know-who, Shelby Harris, who Greg alerted the group uh, when it happened. that He leads the league in those deflections. Ten on the year at the Good line nugget. of scrimmage. 16-15, the Broncos hold on, uh, beating the Raiders in the final game for both teams. Oakland did not get the outside help they needed. Remember the four coin tosses? Did they lose all four coin tosses? The, the Steelers lost. They needed that, okay. right? So one out of three is not going to get it done. Uh, one so out of four here, yeah. They were one out of four. Ain't going to get it done. And uh, they, they were their fate was decided uh, by early in the fourth quarter, essentially. And um, good vibes around the Broncos. They finished strong at seven and nine. Drew Locke wins four or five starts. Philip Lindsay becomes the first undrafted running back in NFL history to go over 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons to open a career. And we also had a, a charming little anecdote uh, from the CBS broadcast team that Vic Faggio, who was uh, spending Christmas alone because of the nature of uh, of the gig. Or lacks friends. I yes. mean, that's, that's that one of those two. I think he has friends. Oh. On Christmas Eve, he watched a Hallmark Christmas movie alone in his easy chair. Went to the facility, did his coach work, came home, maybe grabbed a beer. I don't know what he's doing. Sat back down and then kept binging Hallmark Lifetime movies or Hallmark Channel Christmas movies. So that's just a nice little feel good. You imagine Vic Fangio away from the family, got that Christmas cheer anyway. Mm. And it's just a nice little, you look puzzled. Well, you know, so during the Super Bowl weeks, when you get a chance to talk to these guys. Fangio was with the Niners at the time and I sat down, he was at a table with no one else. So I tried to sit down and ask him a couple questions in a row. It's my time to do that. I don't think I've ever met a grumpier uh, man in my life. That's what they said on the telecast too, that it was the last guy in the NFL you'd ever think would be taken by Hallmark Christmas. Changes my impression. Not a man that's looking for intellectual stimulation with his entertainment outside of the game. (laughs) But I understand it's a lot going on. Turn it off the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Turn it off the brain. Just but he's done wine. Uh, no, this was a nice back half of the season, obviously, with the Broncos, who were totally lost in space in the first half. I believe they won six of eight to close the season. And it's still disappointing because the Denver Broncos thought they could, uh, with Joe Flacco and all mm-hmm. that, with Joe Flacco feels like 100 years ago, that they would be a team that would be in contention and perhaps playing next week. That never came close to happening. But, Wes, if you squint, 
You could maybe see the Denver Broncos with some pieces, Cortland Sutton among them, as being a team that can be turning it around in a, a quick fashion if some things go their way. I, I agree, and and I don't think they played better in the second half of the season. They just got luckier in close games. They, right. This was a game where it's kind of abnormal for the year. The Raiders more than doubled their yardage. They were Broncos, competitive in almost every single game they, they played. And lost. The Raiders, who got had a lot of good fortune. This seventh win, though, does make them – Bowl eligible. They're going to face off next week on Saturday in the West Bowl. Broncos, Cowboys, Saturday. They're just going to show up. Both of those teams can look forward to next year. Anything else uh, do you guys need to know about this game? Well, no, but I just think that we talk about this four coin toss thing for the Raiders. Like, the Raiders have had one of the most disappointing final six weeks of any team in the league. And it starts with that Jacksonville loss at home and is sandwiched by a bunch of other totally deflating results that took a 6-4 and four squad that was something delightful at one point. And I, I don't know. I, I But did it really feel like stunning when the wheels came off? It felt like they were playing no, over their heads but, and they were a nice story, but this felt more like reality. And even so, 7-9... and nine, for a team that, they that overachieved. Was a disaster. No one had them when I, a year ago. I like I'm back on Gruden and I, I think that, you know, Mayock did an excellent job with the draft, so there's there's reasons to be hopeful, but it's got to be frustrating for the people in Oakland to have watched this team spiral out of control over the last month. And there was a little moment right after the two-point conversion failed. Gruden didn't even seem that upset. It actually helped he the team. Ultimately. He He's smiling. He gave uh, Paul Gunther, put his arm around him, and then he gave Derek Carr a, a really nice handshake, and it seemed like a nice moment between the two of them. I, I imagine they felt pretty good about how the season went, that they found some players that they could build around, that they have a bunch of draft picks coming uh, in the first round. And my boy Hunter Renfro, Greg, 6 for 102. Darren Waller went over 100 yards again. Uh, you have, of course, Josh Jacobs, who the injuries kind of cost him the end of his season. Get Jonathan Abram back next Jonathan year. Jonathan Abram coming back. Waller's uh, going to win that Comeback Player of the Year award, I bet. I bet it's Tannehill. <sighs> Jimmy has got a great Jimmy story Jimmy G will get him. more than Waller. You want to talk about narrative-based awards. I mean, that's kind of what the Comeback Player of the Year is. And this was a guy on Hard Knocks was going to uh, uh, AA meetings. Man, Tannehill turned the whole Titans franchise around. They're I mean, the comeback player. Them. Darren Waller got, goes over 100 today to go over 90-something catches and 1,100 yards of the season. Just pure stats-wise, one of the best receiving tight end seasons of all time. And we have no idea what comeback player of the year is. It can be anything right. we want it to be. Pure stats-wise, Tannehill had one of the most efficient quarterback seasons. Why do you hate Darren Waller? I don't. I'm just saying it's way more impressive to turn a franchise around I than know. to accrue stats. You have a good point <laughs> accrue on it. Stats. Accrue stats. Accrue stats. <laughs> Both uh, of them accrue he stats. Is a, all right. Can you at least give me that Darren Waller is a triumph of the human spirit guy? I'm going to give you more than that. I wrote an article a month ago saying he's comeback player of the year, but things change and Tannehill's the guy. <laughs> you got to give us a link? NFL.com slash Westling. Well, no, that takes us to a jumble of articles, and we have to search through that. So, All right, let's let's move on. Let us. Eddie Pinheiro now from 22. like that. He's hit three for three today from the right hash. High snap pulled down by O'Donnell. The kick is up, and the kick is good for Eddie Pinheiro. Ten seconds to go, and the Bears back in front, leading 21-19. I love how Jeff Johnniak hits the Pinheiro. That's good. Again, that's pro's bro. That's a pro bro. Mm-hmm. WBBM with the call. You drilled up Pinheiro. Eddie Pinheiro's fourth field goal of the game came from 22 yards out with 10 seconds to play. It gave the Bears, the Bears, 21-19 win over the Vikings who rested their regulars ahead of the playoffs. Wes, 
If you would have told Bears fans in August that their team won their final game of the season with a field goal with seconds to play, <laughs> they probably would have guessed they had a parade coming up down the street of Chicago. Chicago. On the quite, street of Chicago. <laughs> didn't quite work. Main Street in Chicago. Okay. Famous Main Street. Grant uh, Park. It didn't uh, quite work out that way. No, and I think it's a major upset that Eddie Pinero last the entire season as the kicker. It is. He hung on. It's almost like they were afraid to go down that road of trying to replace the guy midseason. Mm-hmm. So they stuck through it because Pinero hardly had a great season. No, but there were more questions asked about the quarterback position and mm-hmm. whether he was going to be yanked than whether the kicker was going to be cover. yanked. And I feel like this was a, a fitting end here for uh, Mitchell. Fourth and nine, game in the balance. All the Vikings have to do to get a win with Sean Mannion as your quarterback and Mike Boone against all the Bears starters is uh, stop Trubisky on a fourth and nine. But Trubisky makes a nice throw on a rollout. Like and now that. he's going to somehow like convince the entire organization because of that throw that, that's oh worth God. bringing no, back no, next please. year. I say this. I think that this, was in the Gabbard zone, by the way, uh, you know, against the Vikings backups. It was not a great performance. I think this every year, but I can't take any team seriously as a Super Bowl contender if they enter the season with Sean Mannion as their number two quarterback. This guy's <laughs> a third stringer at best, and that's been the case since he entered the league. Yikes. Uh, every time he plays, I'm thinking, how does this guy sell people on him as a backup? How about Mitch Trubisky as the backup? He should be a backup. He, I think in he will be. I hope that they handle be. that correctly. I I don't want to hear an off-season of hoopla about, oh, we're working on his footwork and Mitchell Trubisky's head is screwed back on straight. Leave me alone. It is. Well, they're not coming after you personally. But. Well, I, no, but th- this, is a, this is a nice day where you get to, you know, and we've talked, you, you get to wave farewell to a couple of teams that desperately need to get out of our world. And this is one of them. Go away. I don't want to hear anything else from the Bears for many, many weeks or the Bears, months. The Bears actually... We could take a break from the Bears. Yeah, we could certainly take a break. And they have a decision to make, obviously. This was a second overall pick. It was his third season. Uh, but there's so much ugly baggage attached to it. Um, with what else who do you went need after to him. It's almost like if he's not showing you and you don't want that to be reminded forever and have this guy in your building, just start fresh. I, I, I imagine that's what's going to happen, but we'll we'll see how it plays out. Uh, it might play out with they bring in an Andy Dalton type and Ryan Fitzpatrick and there's a quarterback Trade competition. Hmm. Big bearded man in the streets of Chicago. Let's move Michigan on. Avenue. Was the Michigan Avenue. You were looking for. Right? Amazing Michigan Avenue with the great architecture and one of the great cities. The second city. Go ahead, Erica. <laughs> you know, hurry. Why would they be? Play clock at four. Shotgun for Minshew. I went on that throw. river tour. The architecture Minshew. tour. Mm-hmm. Right. Fires toward what the buildings? end zone. That ball is going to be caught for the touchdown. Why do you talk over the highlights? TD West. Shut up. TD for the <laughs> TD show. and the Jags. Score again. <laughs> Oh uh, Frank Frangie and Tony Baselli with the call. Like, you need to hear a Jaguars highlight in Week 17. WOKV with the score with the call there. Gardner Minshew uh, turned in a really solid performance. Threw for 295 and three touchdowns, leading the Jaguars to a 38-20 win over the Colts. Minshew stands to have, you know, stands a serious chance to be Jacksonville's opening day starter in 2020. The question is, of course, who will be his coach? Uh, again, New Horizons Monday coming up. Uh, but this is, you can't avoid the this, this subplot around Jacksonville right now. Rap Sheet reported early Sunday, and this is always a weird thing whenever I see this out there, that today's game, the Week 17 meaningless game against an also-ran Colts team, 
could play a role in Jacksonville decision. Jacksonville's decision. Oh, no. Well, they they beat up on a Colts team that packed it in a couple of weeks ago. So now, do you feel better about Doug Marone? I just never understood that. I hope that's not actually what the front office is uh, thinking. The same thing was happening in Cleveland. And I, I agree that it's, it's very uh, awkward to suggest that this game of all games would be the the referendum on Doug Marone or anyone else attached to the Jaguars. Uh, it was. Uh, I thought it was Minshew's best game. And it, it showed again why he fit in this sort of mostly broken down offense much better than Foles. And it's not a knock on Foles, but he can he can move and he can escape and he he needs to do that in this in this in this attack. Uh to me, I like the Colts, geez. Six and four at one point. They have been absolutely they are like the Raiders have just been lacerated down the stretch. And I, I left this game with, with additional questions about Jacoby Brissett, who walked into a couple sacks, um, had a terrible fumble in this game that really pivoted the contest in Jacksonville's favor. And, you know, I know they're banged up. Marlon Mack looks great. I think he's the best player on the field for the Colts today. And, you know, but you're here's a perfect example. And we've actually you've mentioned it, Mark, before Doug Peterson, you know, Frank Reich, you know, he leaves and it's Doug Peterson a guy can do it on his own. Well, Doug Peterson, with a true franchise quarterback, was able to see their way through the wilderness, whereas the Colts with Jake Brisket, and I know Brisket had the knee injury, when the injuries hit the Colts and they were a team at the crossroads, they went a different direction. It's very easy to end up going the direction the Colts are going, which is why I think what Peterson and Wentz did together was so special. I, You know, they the, what team has been through more? You lose Andrew Luck in August and you have to turn around and – they they look to me like one of the feistier AFC clubs for a while, but the injuries have taken such a toll, and their defense has given up in the last four games, 31, 38, 34, and then today, mm. whatever the point total was today. And they had, they had a nice game against the Panthers sandwiched in there, but that's yeah, ugly. 38 points today. 38. So that's, you know, that's not the way you want to cap consistent. that season. One of, the, one of the best performances by the Jaguars offense all year. Take note that Leonard Fournette was not on the field. Right. I'm just saying, do not make him the focal point of your offense. No, and he won't move on from Leonard Fournette. He won't be after this. He's under contract, but when he tweeted out, you know, yes, on Saturday that, you know, he hopes uh, a lot of his teammates are back with him next year, I was thinking, I don't know if Leonard Fournette's back next Mm. year. Right. Then again, um, it was a big win because, you know, you got the sixth win. That's only the second time in seven years under David Caldwell you got to six wins. So that's a big that's a big milestone. Why not bring the whole gang back together? Great Ooh. rookie class, and DJ Chark became a star this year. They do have some bright spots. That's fair, dog. That's fair. Josh Allen gets to the quarterback. They got some things. All right, uh, let us move on. Oh, you know, right around the time uh, that the Patriots fell on the Dolphins, this went down. Snap to Winston, dropping straight back. Throws, intercepted, Deion Jones, and the ball game is over. And that's 30 picks for for, for our boy Winston. And Jameis Winston throws his 30th interception on the first play of overtime. And Atlanta wins the game, 28-22. West Durham with the call. It was Dave Archer that called James Winston our boy. You know, that that is patronizing. Dave Archer. W-Z-G-C. Deion Jones intercepts James Winston on the first play of OT. Returns at 27 yards to the house. 28-22. Falcons win. Their sixth victory in eight games to close the season. We learned Saturday that Dan Quinn would keep his job. That's correct, right? That wasn't like a, a really sad dream that I had over the weekend? I believe that was... Uh Actual. That's real. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and now Quinn and the Falcons can look to the offseason with some optimism after the 1-7 and seven start. 
Uh, Winston, yes, he did it. He did it, he did it, he did it. The first quarterback ever to go 30-30. You were on that four or five weeks ago, by the way. If that not became longer. a national story, yes. Um, not that he did 30 for 30-30, but that I was on it, yes. But Winston becomes the first Tampa Bay quarterback uh, to pass for 5,000 yards in the season. Uh, but they don't go anywhere again with Winston as their quarterback. And Bruce Arians... Uh, who that nobody had a worse final two weeks than Jameis, maybe Duck Hodges, but like Jameis Winston uh, entering week 16, there was a report out there that, oh yeah, the Bucks are ready to stay in business with Jameis Winston. And then he goes out and absolutely craps the bed in week 16 and 17. He threw a sixth and NFL record seventh pick six. They lose both games and it makes the decision with, um, you know, a Winston up for a new deal. Really difficult. He played the exact same those two weeks as the entire year, mm, though. I don't know, man. If not better. I mean, uh, with worse receivers, that's that's what he is. That's so. simply not true. He was doing special things uh, in the that little three-week run-up to the last two weeks but of the year. But he's throwing two picks a week every week. They yeah, lost the Arians, at the buzzer. Like, that's, this is what they are. If they somehow fooled themselves into that that stretch was any different, they just had a couple well, breaks. I, I what, think the, yeah, the last two weeks took a toll on Arians. Let's so. hear what Arians had to say. Yeah, I mean, that's just they're so much good. You look at there's so much good and there's so much outright terrible. <laughs> you know outright what? terrible. Do you know why I think it hurt Arian so much? Because he knows if they re-up with Winston, he's going to enter next season with that scarlet ratio. Thir- People are going to think of him as the 30-30 quarterback. They already think of him as this brilliant artist whose medium is turnovers. Like he's fu- he's a fun quarterback to watch and he leaves his fingerprints all over football games, but it's sloppy art. And he's not a winner. They, he doesn't. I no, mean, this can't. has not been a winning team with him as their starter for four straight years. Super productive in one way, but he's, how, what what f- team is winning games when your quarterback is turning over? It's not just the it's the fumbles too. It's not just even the interceptions. I mean, he thinks he has leverage. We'll see. Who's I think he? Wh- Jameis Winston thinks he has. I leverage. think they well, really he probably think thinks that, a lot of things that that he would get. That not only the, like that he would command a big salary that he's definitely going to get tagged because there's no way they could afford to pay him. Alone. Doesn't that depend on who else becomes available, who's out there, and what? Yeah, that you know, is a big it, factor. But Tampa will have to make the decision before that. We'll we'll have plenty of time. Also, considering to talk his about history, it. he's he's a person the owner would have to sign off on. Yep. And by the way, and I, the Bucks, we know that they do. I misspoke. Winston has been here five years now. Mm-hmm. And their record in those five seasons: six and ten, nine and seven, five and eleven, five and eleven, and seven and nine. So, I mean, I get. I mean, well, I, do? I, I would mean, say that you, a lot of you know who now. else has been there that long? The general manager who continues to, uh, you know, stick around with the team when they're not growing. That's fair, dog. The Quinn, the Quinn decision. You like seeing some continuity. I think it really meant that they were keeping general manager Thomas Dimitrov. I have a feel. I feel like if they were going to blow it up, they were going to blow the whole thing up. But it is interesting to me. Like the way you measure teams and players is in sixteen game increments, and they went seven and nine the last two years. So it's just it's an oddity of football to me that because they got to seven and nine this way, that's somehow better. But it's not. It's no better. It, it, there's no correlation between finishing strong in the next season, period. Like, it, it almost never happens. In fact, the, the Falcons are a great example. So ultimately, a, a team that entered two years ago with a roster we all said was maybe the best roster in the entire NFL mm. has gone 7-9 and nine two straight years. Well, well, I think we know this about Dimitrov after all these years. He can build an offense, mm-hmm. but what yep. can he do about his defense? 
And if Jerry Jones is, you know, potentially susceptible to making an emotional decision at coach, I think Arthur Blank, who has been extremely loyal to people in the past, is tied to Dimitrov. They want the happy ending. They should have had a Super Bowl trophy with this this regime, and they want a happier ending. Uh, No happy endings in the final game for the Rams at the Coliseum. Uh, well, actually, kind of a happy ending, but that's it. The season's over. Let's check in on that game. Really nailed <laughs> that the, one. Get the finish out of win. Hey. Looking right. Throws the slant. Middle of the end zone. It's Tyler Higby with a December he'll never forget. Touchdown, L.A. 23-17. The Rams are back on the high side. That's our boy. See, that's how you use our boy. J.B. Long with the call for KSPN. Congrats to J.B. and his wife just had their second baby. Oh, damn. Wow. He's right back to work. Great procreating, bro. Tyler Higby and Robert Woods caught touchdown passes from Jared Goff in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Higby was a monster this final month. Uh, and the Rams said goodbye to the Coliseum uh, with a 31-24 win over the Cardinals. No playoffs for the Rams, but their third straight winning season. That's not nothing. Wes, uh, this wasn't how the Rams envisioned it ending, but uh, their offense put mostly good tape out there in the final month. That's something to build on. I think that's how they probably want to look at it, that our offense finally gelled down the stretch. And I don't know what's going to happen with Todd Gurley next year. That is a huge question. But I do know that they can't allow Tyler Higby to just be a blocker again the rest of his career. He's got to be a big part of the passing game the way he's played. It's not just the numbers. He's looked good doing it. And on the Cardinals side, Kyler Murray didn't do enough for me for rookie of the year. He he just wasn't special enough compared to other quarterbacks. But, I, I you know, another game where he made a slew of impressive throws. He also made some turnover-worthy plays. Overall, I think if you're a Cardinals fan, you're still pretty happy with the way the season ended. He put together a few few good games, and he looks like a unique talent. Let's not forget about the Mike Silver report mentioning that Wade Phillips, future in question, some issues potentially with the front office, some movement there. So, you know, I think there's a very intriguing and interesting uh, offseason coming up for They the had their rise, and they stalled out a little bit, and now they have to figure out what comes next. All right. Uh, Two notes in this yes. game. Larry Fitzgerald says he'll take a little time before making a decision, but he also said this was the one of the most fun years he's played with the Cardinals. I think that has a lot to do with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. And Chandler Jones had a couple of passes defense, tackle for loss, quarterback hit, but did not have a sack, which allowed Shaq Barrett to lead the league in sacks. Ooh, looks mm. like he wasn't just kind of a no. flash in the pan there. Solid, uh, solid player. Good athlete. Great job. You happy for him? I am extremely happy for Not him as happy and his as family. His brothers won the defensive players of the <laughs> year. Like, well, if that, luck on that, man. I, I want to be with Mark in. <laughs> I want to be there in yeah. Miami yep. when they announce oh, yeah. the defensive player of the year because it's the excitement that's gonna. You be will be. Going we spend all body. our time together literally every day, every week. So, <laughs> what was that, Mark? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, he wants it. He wants it bad. All right, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Do you have two points? Or Second down, make, I hit them both. Good. Darnold, play action again, flips it in the end zone. Jamison Crowder's got it. That's a jet touchdown. Off the play action, fake Sam Darnold. A little flip over the middle to Jamison Crowder. He makes the touchdown catch, and the Jets take the lead back, and they have scored the first touchdown of the game about 90 seconds gone by in the fourth quarter. Bob was choosing WEPN with the call. Yeah, not exactly a shootout in Orchard Park. Sam Darnold 
uh, to Jameis Crowder. Crowder was the only touchdown on Sunday. Uh, the end result, a 13-6 win for the Jets over the Bills' backups. The Jets finished the season like the Falcons, 7-9 after a 1-7 start. Uh, that was so bad, you may recall, that there were reports that Adam Gase would be fired midseason. He'll be back, it sounds like. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, the Jets actually finished with their, this is bad, their best record in a season since 2015. So, I guess progress? Um, a cake schedule certainly helped in the second half for the Jets. Uh, but, yeah, 6-2 and two after 1-7. and seven. Uh, that That is a nice way to close, even if it means their draft pick isn't as good. I don't care as much about that stuff. Uh, because, you know, the, the draft's a crapshoot anyway. Anyway, on the Bills' side, uh, the number one goal was staying healthy. They couldn't achieve that. Starting cornerback uh, Levi Wallace was ruled out after suffering a pretty nasty-looking ankle interception injury on an interception. Offensive lineman Ty Nasheki. He aggravated an ankle injury in his first action since week 11. So that was like the only thing the Bills were trying to do is stay healthy. Of course, they're locked in uh, for a playoff spot at the five seed. They couldn't do it. So hopefully those guys are able to play. I haven't gotten updates on where they're at. Josh Allen played one series, and there really isn't much more to say about this game. It does feel to me, and this is not the first time this has happened, that the New York press has it in for Gase to some degree. It feels like there are some sort of weekly stuff coming out that paints him in a bad light, and I don't well, know. Well, we talked about the Manish no, article just, on Thursday. You know, this is this is not the worst coaching coaching job the Jets have ever experienced. Darnold I, didn't take a step forward, and that's his job one, so that's the biggest concern. But yes, as Dan said, we'll have all offseason to talk about the Jets. All right, let <laughs> us move on to the Cleveland Browns. Dalton in the shotgun on third down and goal from the five. The Bengals leading by six points. Dalton drops back to throw from the 12, looking around, scrambling out to the left, being chased. Andy trying to sprint. Yeah. Down to the five. Yeah. Dives to the pylon. Yes. Zolex on the Bengals call. Yes. If this is Andy Dalton's final game in a Cincinnati Bengals uniform, he has a touchdown pass and a touchdown run. Dave Horde. Dave Lapham. That was Dave Lapham getting pumped. I love it. These Dan guys. Horde and Dave Lapham. But Dan Horde, that Dave was, Lapham. As we used to say, the lap dog. The lap dog. He got excited there on Dalton's run. Yes, Andy Dalton did throw for a touchdown, ran for a score in what was likely his farewell as Cincinnati's franchise quarterback. It was a 33-23 win for the for the Bengals over the Browns. Uh, that's a 2-14 and 14 finish for the Bengals, who will get the number one overall pick, and most likely that Joe Burrow guy, who seems pretty good. Anyway, the Cleveland Browns made headlines after the game when they fired Freddie Kitchens after one season on the sideline. 6-10, and 10, the Browns were. Uh, let's start there, Mark. You know, it was last March, I believe it was, that we were at the owners' meetings, and we had that sit-down with Freddie Kitchens, and he was delightful. He was a guy's guy. He was a dude that, you know, he just seemed like a guy you could go get a steak with and have some drinks, and he'd be fun, and, and hopefully that would be something that translated as a head coach, uh, that good old boy type vibe, but it certainly did not. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a bad move by the Browns, ultimately, was it? I think they had to do this. I feel like he lost this locker room a couple weeks ago, if not, if not previous to that. And I, I couldn't agree with you more that one of the things that's so disappointing as a longtime Browns fan is that I kind of felt like the drive to get Freddie Kitchens and the way he sort of has carried himself, that he might have been, in a way, from another angle, the perfect guy to 
Could have been a folk here. Right, exactly. This went like another it just, way. And it went in completely the opposite direction. I think it's a, it's a case study in when, you know, if you look at his resume, he really didn't have a lot in his past suggesting that he was going to be a successful head coach. It was, you know, high, the Peter principle hired above his skill set for where he's at right now. And then on top of it, trying to be one of these guys that calls plays while trying to manage an NFL game at the same time and kind of always had an aura of being in over his head from the very first game until today when you there's no excuse with the talent on this roster uh, to lose to the Bengals or to lose half the games they lost and you know if you look at the Rob Chudzinski is just a few coaches ago a one year one and done guy and the Browns under the Haslam's have had so many coaches at this point and tried so many different types of coaches but they've never really had the veteran guy that has come with a track record from somewhere else and I, I would imagine that that's the what they're attracted to right now is not it, we'll see it could be we'll get into that down the road but you know they want the opposite of what they've just experienced in Freddie Kitchens which is a young in over his head guy trying to figure it out good guy yes but the right guy to be head coach of this soup of players no it seemed like they settled on Kitchens last January against their better judgment because they just decided what he did with Baker Mayfield and setting a new rookie record for touchdowns and playing really well down the stretch. We just don't want to disrupt that. But well, that's a, Yeah, that was emotional, terrible leadership. And yep. he was so genuine as to seem almost guileless. And then when you see reports Sunday night that he thought he had the backing of the Browns front office, that is guileless to not even know that as undisciplined as your team was all year, the lack of priorities every week. That it wasn't about winning and losing. It was about so many other things that you were so guileless to not know that you, you were going to be out on the street after this? Hmm. Well, he, he had someone who hired him in John Dorsey that maybe he believed had his back. He had an owner who took over in, what, 2012 was the first season. Yep. And they're going to be hiring their seventh head coach. Yep. So this isn't on Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens helped their offense improve last year as a position coach. Like, this is the organization, this is ownership, just having another huge swing and a miss. There's nothing else other than that's their L. And I think any candidate has to look at this ownership group and have questions about this job versus no matter the talent, because talent can go in two seasons. Also still a a job that would be appetizing, I think, uh, to a coach because of the talent level on the roster, which remains significant. It is, but I mean... No, they've had two coaches last for more than two seasons. Yeah, but Brown's coach is ugly as well. Yeah, that is that, you know that is seems cursed at this point. I think one thing also to remember: it seems so long ago now, uh, after another NFL season that in our league. Um, but how great Baker was, especially closing last season. So it might seem crazy now that they said, oh, we want to keep this guy in the building. But Baker was like ruling the world a little bit by the end of last season, Completely. and it was like. Hey, people, people, he likes were, this guy. I get it. He's our future. But that's why, like, us. but no, maybe it was that's from our. That's from our vantage point. That's like I know, a fan but vantage. It's also point. when you're yep. as unsuccessful, profoundly unsuccessful as the Browns have been. When Baker does what he did to close out that season, I get how it happened. I I totally do too, and I you know. Maybe I was the guileless one, but I thought that it was going to work and I had a good feeling about him as a person in general. And, you know, 95% of these things in Cleveland go totally ragingly south. So chapter new, just another chapter of the same. It was sort of the easy decision to make. It was the one where you couldn't be faulted at the time for it because if Baker had struggled like he did this year under a different coach, they would have blamed that on on ownership too. The, The 
end point is that Baker ended up with 22 picks, uh, uh, 22 touchdowns and 21 picks this year yep. and took a pretty big step backwards. And is on to his fourth head coach. The offense was significantly worse. <laughs> fourth? With, well, I mean, I'm counting Greg Williams as a head coach during his... Wow. I mean, well, it's, it's the culture. You're, you've been there you for two NFL Greg seasons. Williams back. It's funny because nice there's a try. there's the a Browns reporter. Browns well, there's a Browns reporter out there that, that that asked around like some various people who would they want, and someone seriously mentioned Greg Williams. Not that they're going to do it, but because that's how different of a sea change they want in their leader versus mm. what Freddie Kitchens was doing this season, which we don't know eighty five percent of what was going on behind the scenes. And that is just a quick peek at New Horizons Monday, which you'll catch in. Full. More like nuclear morning. <laughs> late, uh, it will go up late Monday, and we'll have a full update on every all the comings and goings uh, on what is a somber day in the league. Year. Congrats, Andy Dalton, putting up thirty-three points. Good for him. Last game, and I hope he lands in a good spot too. And our boy Freddie Kitchens. I hope he lands. He won't land as a head coach uh, anywhere, uh, but hopefully. These guys survive. No, he gets a paycheck somewhere he's else. Getting for, he's getting paid. Double dip him. Getting paid. Oh yeah, the, has, the, the Haslam's are going to be paying him millions and millions of dollars yep. for the next three years. They're paying like four hundred and eighty-five coaches right now. So what did Chuck Pagano say? They can't kill you. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. They can't eat you. Freddie Kitchens will be all right. He might be happier doing something else. Yep. All right, boys. What what did we learn today? We learned so much. Uh, and just and just remember again, we got the playoffs coming up. That's fun, Mark. 20 teams history. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know what? A harsh See farewell you. to them all. Mm. See you in late July. And now we got 12 dogs ready to rumble. Okay? And we, we, Greg, we achieved something here. We covered every game in the regular season. Oh. We did it all. We covered every single game. I don't know if we ever did that before. Some games fell through the cracks in past seasons, whether it's a Saturday or a holiday. Hmm. We got every single hmm. game. That's an achievement by the round. I thought you were going to say that we... Got on NFL Hourly. Network finally. Friday, the Around the NFL show. Hubba hubba. When are we? 3 uh, Pacific, 6 Eastern, or 3.30? It's in that hour. <laughs> Set, <laughs> your <DVRs. laughs> Set your DVR. Doesn't matter. Set your DVR. We are on three straight Fridays. It's going to be replayed up the wazoo. Set your DVR. We implore you to watch it. It will keep us glorious. Home. If you like this podcast, keep us on the air and keep us employed by watching our Around the NFL sh- show on NFL Network. We never had our own show before, so we're very excited about that. And yes, New Horizons Monday, uh, spectacular podcast uh, on Monday. League sources confirming it is 3 o'clock Pacific. Very good. 6 Eastern, some people like to call it. Excellent. So make sure, again, set your DVRs. Uh, a New Horizons Monday podcast lands tomorrow. Check it out. And thank you to everybody for listening uh, and following along all season. We're heading toward the home stretch now. January football is coming your way. Dan Hansen signing off for the quiet storm, the mailman, the old boss, Rick Hollywood, and the entire gang behind the glass. Till Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired. 
But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.